What up, YouTube? It's your boy Banks, and we back in the building. You feel me? It's true talks, cause true talks. All right, let's get straight right into it. And you already know, man. I love you know. I love what I'm seeing here at the end of the day. And you know, we gonna we gonna change. Uh, you know, we're gonna change some things. And, you know, we'll we'll see how y'all like it. We're going to change some things just so we can, you know, have just a new type of structure going on here. We're going to change a lot of things. What I'm most likely going to do is I'm going to start transitioning to, you know, um, I'm going to start transitioning to where I'm more basically true talks. You already know it's going to be more like undisputed, more like first take, more like where I'm just giving IQ, just talking about topics from my perspective. And going through a whole plethora of them, you know, as much as I can for the day. And if I do do a breakdown and if I do do, you know, uh, um, like like a breakdown, it will just be a short version. It'll be like a segment for a specific play or a specific thing that happened. And that will go to my IGTV. And so, you know, I just urge you guys to, you know, help support your boy. You know, obviously, if you, you know, you just watch and subscribe here on YouTube but as well as follow me on Twitter and follow me on Instagram as well. And the breakdowns with the actual clips and stuff like that. It won't be a whole long one, but maybe like the, the, the game winner or it'll be specific type of breakdowns that I'll actually go into on IG. And that would be more so, you know, it'll be more so relative and more so, you know, just in that segment where I'm on IG and that's where I'll keep it to that. But on YouTube here, I'm going to be, you know, going through a plethora of topics every day, basically going through a plethora of topics, talking about what's happened, games that's happened on the previous night. Just giving my context, my IQ, just, you know, kind of, you know, my perspective on what I think about those things. And so there will be multiple videos daily, multiple topics daily, and we're going to transition to that. Basically the same type of format that you see from, you know, the main platform. So let me know what y'all think in that com in those comments. Let me know, you know, if y'all, you know, if y'all, you mess with that and if y'all be like, yo, I rate it, you know, let's go, let's grind and whatever, because the reason, the reason why I'm doing that format and I'm going to try and change to that format is because, again, a lot of a lot of these breakdowns and all these things on YouTube, I'm not monetizing or do anything like that at all. You know what I'm saying? So what I would change and just, you know, is more so like how you see me interacting with the lives, like how you see me talking, just giving perspective and whatever and stuff like that. It will be more so like a full days, a full day worth of multiple topics. You know what I'm saying? And then it will be broken down into, you know, segmented type of clips and and, and topics on YouTube. So it'll be multiple videos on YouTube and that will be a daily type of thing. You know what I'm saying? That I would want to engage with you guys and talk and just give that IQ. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? And then obviously those will as well be formed into a podcast form as well. You know, because I know a lot of y'all have been saying, you know, you, you don't like just always coming on YouTube, even while you're driving or whatever, and you want to listen to me, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to be transforming into that type of format, grinding that way. And then on IG, if you follow me, the, the breakdowns for the last like five minutes or the last this and, you know, just what happened on this play, what happened on that play, just, you know, segmented specific breakdowns will be on my IGTV. So follow me and you already know, and we, this is what Elite looks like. And we're going to try and grind into that way, especially gearing into the playoffs see how this works, see how it looks. I think that'll be more efficient. I'll be able to talk about things multiple times, you know, 
daily. I still obviously is going to be, you know, a lot of Raptors content in terms of talking about them basically every game. Now it won't be, you know, spread out and stuff like that. So I'm going to be, you know, uh, uh, changing my format when it comes to that. I'm going to be changing my format. And, you know, uh, uh, I just want to hear from you guys and let me know if y'all think that it's good. If y'all, you know, mess with it. If y'all don't, if you think I should just stay to this. But again, the, it's not even like I would I can if I want to, because, again, a lot of it, copyright and monetization is just not smart. You know what I'm saying? And if I continue doing like this, it will be harder to change later down the down the line. Me now talking about a lot of topics and talking about a lot of different things. I attract a lot of different fan bases. And, you know, I just because a lot of people DM me all the time. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's like I can't always get into so many different things if I'm focused on doing the breakdowns and I only talk during the breakdowns. Like there's so many different topics. It's hard. You know, it's hard to do a lot of multiple things when the breakdowns are taking, you know, 10 to 16 hours every single time. And then, you're, you know, I'm stretching myself thin. So it's just, you know, being more efficient, like on the court, you got to be more efficient. You can get buckets, but can you be efficient with it? And that's what we're transitioning to do, being more efficient. There might not be the same like the lip reads, the same like it's not going to be like that. But if you only came for lip reads, then I mean, <laughs> that's 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 a that's a small fraction of the main reason why you're here. That's supposed to just be a bonus. You know what I'm saying? If you really mess with it and you really, you know, you really mess with your boy and you're really, you know, you're really down with me and whatever and all of that type of stuff. And you're here for that IQ. That's what I do. You know, let me know what y'all think. I expect y'all to still be here. I expect y'all to, you know push it and you know help support your boy and we out here there's no down here there's no drought here you feel me so let me know what y'all think man i appreciate y'all like i always say all right so now that we we got that out the way you know what i'm saying now let's uh let's let's talk about you know what what happened basically last night you know what i mean like we'll start with the we'll start with the clippers and what happened with you know, the Clippers and the Portland Trailblazers. I and this is one thing, too. Before I even get into that, I wish that the NBA would start doing something where, you know, you know how they have TNT games and it's going to be like this guy's about to be injured. And they know like the day before they know early. Like, I wish they could just especially now that they're not physically traveling to that place. I wish that they could just on the fly, like switch the TNT game to Portland and the Clippers. That's more of a, you know, more of a more of a game. But now it did work out. It came to a clutch game for Golden State and Milwaukee. But, you know, that's something I always wish that they could just do. Like when the man's are like, Giannis is going to be injured and this person isn't playing. Switch the TNT game if you know, if there's another game that's on that caliber of play. And this was like a, you know, a healthy Clippers team, healthy Portland. Obviously, Nurkic didn't play, but it was more so of a marquee matchup just in my eyes. You know, watching it now, the outcome obviously will say something different, but outcomes don't mean it's a marquee matchup or not. Outcomes is besides the point. The point is like this would have been the better TNT game in terms of like just marquee. Obviously, like I said, Golden State, you know, it came down to a clutch situation. But anyways, I always thought about that. But, you know, now that we passed that, you know, it was the Clippers and, you know, the Clippers were home versus the Portland Trailblazers. And this was, you know, Rondo. Rondo has been, you know, I think two games now he's played. Abaka still isn't healthy and isn't back yet. But, you know, uh, uh, Pat Bev returned. Pat Bev returned and DeMarcus Cousins made his debut. You know what I'm saying? So now we got to see. And a lot of, I will talk about it and it'll come full circle. But a lot of things now, like the Clippers have become better by addition, subtraction, and by addition. So I'll explain what I mean by that. But, like... <laughs> You're seeing a whole like Pat Bev actually might be the most important player 
and the most crucial player for for the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? And I know, you know, it, ah, what are you talking about? Like, obviously, I already know Kawhi is the the main guy. If Kawhi's not eating, the chances that the Clippers go to work or the Clippers win is still like it decreases. We already know that. We already know that the star player and the superstar player, and that's the main guy, and he's gonna be the one who's creating and getting buckets if you love it. You know what I'm saying? But what I mean by Pat Bev being one of the most crucial players and most impactful, I should say most impactful. He might be the most impactful player on this team. The reason why I say that is because when he plays, the defensive intensity just automatically increases because he is like, he's literally their defensive specialist. He is that guy. He is like their defensive player of the year for that team. Like we know Kawhi plays defense. We know Paul George. We know all of that type of stuff. But if you notice, when Pat Bev plays defense and he takes the challenge of like guarding, like in this game versus Portland, guarding Damian Lillard, right? When he fo focuses on that and he's not an offensive player. So he literally just straps up and he has added the trade ball where he could hit it at a decent rate and a, pro and a good rate. Like he's been a knockdown shooter, right? But he's the ultimate three and D guy. So now that he's actually guarding intensely on that player and then the other players feed off of his energy off of what he's dictating defensively and they're seeing him strap up every man gets at every man rotates harder every man closes out harder every man helps each other harder swings harder like it's just the intensity on defense is just you just feel that energy like you could feel it even just watching through the tv they are more on a string they're defensively talking they're defensively intense they try more all these factors and that's what happens with the clippers they look like a complete different defensive team Obviously, what they did was they were double teaming Damian Lillard in his spots and forcing him because that's what's been the knock with, you know, because Dame's been shooting from hella deep. And with these pick and rolls and the actions that they run, you see a lot of the times teams, when they want to stop Dame, they just double him excessively and force the ball out of his hands. And then CJ has to cook and everybody else has to cook through one on ones and stuff like that. And that's what you saw from, you know, from the Portland Trailblazers. But like Damian Lillard went, what did he go? He went two for 14, right? So he obviously struggled, but he only took 14 shots. Powell took 18 shots. Covington took 13. You know what I'm saying? CJ took 15. Why? And Anthony Carmelo took 10. You know what I'm saying? So like the reason why it's that dispersed like that is because of the double teaming and the padding and the aggressive defense they did on Damian Lillard, which was elite. And it started from Pat Bev's energy, right? And just the scheme, uh, you know, uh, overall. But what I mean by Pat Bev being the most important player or most crucial, impactful player for the Clippers is that there's so many different layers to that statement, right? And what I mean by that is that, again, one thing is the defensive intensity and all that that I just talked about defensively, what he increases and they go to a whole new echelon defensively. Then not only that, this is the one of the main reasons why they were able forget Luke Kennard and whatever. They were able to actually trade Lou Will because they had a vision. They had a vision that when Pat Bev comes back, you know, our replacement six man now is actually going to be Reggie Jackson. And that's what you're seeing now. Now everything starts to fill out rotation wise, you know, uh, 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 play style wise. Not Well, not mainly play style wise, but just rotation and who is playing those minutes. Now everything settles in and then now you kind of know what's going to happen. What I mean, how, what I mean by everything settle in, Pat Bev now starts. 
Now you take Reggie Jackson out of the starting lineup. He becomes the Lou. He's literally becomes what Lou Will is supposed to be. Like he's actually right now being the better version of Lou Will. You see him eating. You see him scoring. And it's not just him scoring. It's how he's scoring. He's ball handling scoring. He actually play makes and passes. You know what I'm saying? He can ISO and cook, whatever. He's actually hitting spot ups. He's hitting shot creating. <laughs> Pump fake one dribble to the side, step back, escape dribbles. Like he's actually scoring Arsenal buckets. Not only that. He actually plays defense. He actually can lock up. He's not a liability. So, you know, you literally take in what you envision and what the best version of what Lou Will could actually be. That's what Reggie Jackson has been. And he's been doing that in the starting lineup. But now you have more hierarchy with your starting lineup. You know what I'm saying? It's normal, regular stuff. Obviously, with the Pat Bev, PG, Kawhi, you know, uh, uh, who started. It was a Marcus Morris, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, Marcus Morris and then Zubat. So you have your regular starting lineup. You do your sets how you normally do. There's not no playmaker. Like you do what you normally do. Play through Kawhi, play through PG, Pat Bev spot up, all that type of stuff. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But defensively, they're on a whole new echelon. So now they get bare buckets in transition and you're not even in half court a lot of the times. Now you're seeing them getting back to regular tempo. You're seeing them shoot. That's why they had 133. You're seeing them shoot in the first half of the shot clock. You're seeing them shoot multiple threes. It's like it's not slow ISO, ISO, ISO every play. You're seeing multiple actions, a lot of mixes. PG pick and roll here. You know what I'm saying? Kawhi pick and roll here. Kawhi ISO. You know, PG ISO, PG off screens. All that type of stuff because now their energy, they're not the ones have to lock up the main guy on, on the perimeter on defense. They can focus now on getting buckets and just being Rome, Rome defensively, switchability, all that type of stuff, as opposed to exerting so much energy defensively because Pat Bev isn't there to do that. And that unlocks them offensively and unlocks their transition and unlocks their bench unit because now Reggie is coming off the bench and he's being that Lou Will. Then you add the fact. So that's why he's so that's why he's so like important when you look at just Lou Will. You know, I mean, when you look at uh, uh, Pat Bev and that's why he just unlocks so many different layers to this team. That people didn't think about, people didn't actually foresee and didn't, you know, they didn't think on that level. So now Luke Kennard drops out the rotation, right? Terrence Mann drops out the rotation, right? You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of that type of stuff. Well, he's still in the rotation, but not like he's not relied on to do this and play this kind of bulk of minutes. A lot of stuff settles out. The role players go to a lesser role and now everything fills out because one player gets inserted. And that's the kind of context and the kind of you know, eliteness that the Clippers were missing from Pat, from just Pat Bev's presence and just him being in the rotation. So now you look at that and then now, you know, you add another fact with Rondo. Like I told y'all, Rondo's addition isn't a great addition in terms of, let me rephrase that for some of y'all just be, oh my God, what are you saying? Rondo's addition is a great addition, but it's not a great addition in terms of what people, the type of tier that people think and expect it to be on. Like Rondo was like, Remember when I told y'all before that the Clippers never needed, needed a playmaker like people were trying to say it was always cap. And I always told y'all like you even see when Rondo's out there, he's he runs the ball sometimes and runs pick and roll and he does the intangible things, obviously. But he's not just killing playmaking and frying and whatever. Like you see him, he's not even playing hella, hella impactful, like bare minutes like that. You see him, he's playing. How many minutes did he play? 15 minutes, one for four. You know what I'm saying? You know, two, two, one assist, two rebound, stuff like that. Like, you know, two points. Like, he's doing the little. He's there for intangibles, smarts. You know, that's what he's there for. He's not there to what people thought 
that he would beat her, which is play, make, and do X, Y, and Z. And I told y'all, even when Rondo's out there, you're going to see him now be in the corner. You're going to see him be spotting up. He's not just going to be playmaking, and that's what the Clippers need. Their offense literally has not changed with Rondo being there. But and Rondo there with the intangibles, you'll see in certain moments, in certain, like, flow-wise, you'll see in certain moments he has IQ and he'll run the pick and roll, hit Kawhi on the move. He's not just isolating. Now you see more mixes. You're seeing more mixes in times in, ter- in, in, in terms of flow with Kawhi when he's playing there with him, when he's playing with PG. You're seeing more flow. It's not the same thing every single time. It's not just Kawhi do the same, you know, set every single time. PG do the same set every single time. It's just you two. It's not like that. Now you have Reggie Jackson ball handle. They push the tempo. We go and we just kill. You see Kawhi and PG in the corner. Or if it's you know, PG off the bench or is on the bench and Kawhi's with the end of the first quarter. Now you see Rondo's there with Re- Reggie Jackson and Rondo will come down and do the pick and slip and whatever and just read and react intangible. Hit a guy. Kawhi just cut into the rim, dying him. Like intangible type of things. John following those situations. Like it's not the same flow. Now you're seeing mixes. And that's what also makes the net so dangerous because it's mixes. It's not the same thing every time. You know what I'm saying? They have multiple mixes. They have multiple offensive, multiple sets, multiple arsenals. You know what I mean? Versatility. They could do anything. And that's why you see the percentage so high because you try. You think you stop this, we'll go to this. You think you stop this, we go to this. There's so many different things. And that's what the Clippers were lacking in terms of, you know, just everything in the grand scheme. Now everything fills in and Rondo does help that flow. Intangibles is what Rondo is there for. So that's why I say for me, it's a great addition because now, those mixes are going to be important, especially come playoff time, right? But, and Rondo obviously will go to a higher tier too, but, you know, that Rondo people are expecting and the type of help and the type of, you know, oh, playmaking he's going to do and that they need and they need a playmaker. You know, if they really needed a playmaker, shouldn't Rondo be starting? That tells you that it's not as important as people make it seem. It's just a boost. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I was always trying to tell everybody that it's a bonus. It's not a necessity. So when you look at it from that perspective, I definitely like what I saw from the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? I like what I saw most definitely. Um, I also, you know, you know, DeMarcus Cousins made his debut. DeMarcus Cousins, right? He's on a 10-day. And, you know, he he could do a lot of boosts, especially playoff time with the bench unit going ISOs and doing certain things. He could pick and pop. So that does affect, you know, maybe Zubats. And we don't know how they're going to look. Maybe with Abaka coming back, because remember, the Abaka factor is also a big benefit, too. Like, he makes their offense even way more potent than, you know, that has been now that he hasn't been there, right? So, there's so many different factors, but they have a lot of weapons. Like, the team that I saw last night is definitely a team that you could see coming out the West. You know what I'm saying? That team is a great team. But the only knock that I have for the Clippers is that, you know, I, like, I never, never think or never thought that if you get the type of Clippers you expect to get, they could blow out a team and kill a team. You know what I'm saying? That's never been the issue. The issue was how do you look when it matters in the clutch? That's always what I need to see. I need to see that from the Clippers I before I make my assessment. That's why I always went to a five, a five worry out of 10. I didn't go to a seven, eight, oh my God, it's over. Like some people did. That's why I was saying y'all are overreacting to that extent. But at the end of the day, just have some kind of caution, have some type of worry because it is five, right? So it's not hella, hella, but it's enough to basically say, I need to see some more evidence in the clutch. I need to see how y'all move. I need to see, because that's most nine times, eight times, seven times out of 10, what you're going to see in the playoffs is it's going to be a clutch situation. So, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, it was a great win, obviously. And again, too, you have to remember that the Portland Trailblazers 
are a, a good solid team. You know, they're above average team. You know, they can there's games when they're hitting, they're hella elite. And then when they're not hitting, they're that's the problem with the Portland is that when they're not hitting, their defense isn't elite enough to actually get them by to be in a close game. If they're not hitting and you're like you could always score on them. So it's like, do you really take that much from the Clippers in this game? Because they're not like when they go through struggles, how can you really you can't really test your actual team? You know what I'm saying? If they come out struggling, it's normally a wrap for the for the Blazers. They come out struggling, especially Dame. So, you know, you look at it from that perspective. That's, you know, that's a great win. But I still need to see more from the Clippers. But I do like like I do like what I saw, and especially Reggie Jackson. Like he's been he's been he like he's like forget about Kennard. Forget about all that shit. Pat Bev is back. Reggie Jackson moves like this coming off the bench. You know, you don't even because Connard still has that defensive liability, right? Like either Reggie or Connard. If Reggie's struggling, then, you know, throw in Connard, right? So you have multiple options. So, like, they have two six men's basically now when you think of it, you know, in, in, instead of Lou Will. And sometimes you have to. That's what the best teams do. Read and react in terms of on the court and from the GMs and coaching standpoint, you know, read and react. Lou Will is struggling. He's looking Fugazi, flipping for Rondo, and then put Reggie Jackson and improve Luke Kennard and let them be the six-man type guys, right? So, like, you have to read and react. Sometimes, yes, you came in and the Lou Will that you once saw before they came in with the Clippers and all that, that hasn't been the Lou Will with this elite Paul George and Kawhi. It hasn't been. So, you know, and or without Trez. So, was Lou Will only elite because of Trez? You don't know. But at the end of the day, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stoop to that level and say that. But still, you have to update your inf information. You can't harbor on history. You can't harbor on the fact that Lou Will has been this. What is he showing you now? What is Reggie showing you now? What is Luke showing you now? Update your information and make decisions based off of the read and react KYP situation. So, I like what they did. And, you know, at the end of the day, is a great improvement. So, now that we look past that and... um. You know, we look at the what happened, what happened um uh last night as well too. The Raptors, right? We saw the Raptors. <laughs> we saw we saw now that we transitioned to the Lakers. We're on the road facing the Raptors. And you know, the Raptors in general, they had a they had a you know, they had a struggle game, right? But mainly, you know, the Lakers came in, you already know AD and, and LeBron are still injured, right? But they came in with a starting lineup of Schroeder, Gasols at the center because, you know, Drummond's injured as well. So their big three is basically injured. And you have Schroeder, KCP, Gasol, Kuzma, Mar um, Markeith. So when you look at it, like that's not obviously a lineup where it's like, oh, my God, what's going on here? But they're not scrubs. Don't get it twisted. They're not scrubs. But what happened here in this game was kind of unfortunate because their game plan that the Raptors actually played. Normally, I say adjust and read and react. But this is the one team like. Without AD and LeBron and without that, they they struggle shooting. Like, the Lakers aren't an elite three-point shooting team So when, as a team collectively. So when you look at that, the game plan should be pre-rotate, you know, over help or, like, when they attack the paint because they're a paint-dominant team. When they attack the paint over help and all that type of stuff. And they kept kicking it out. And man's are just splashy, if you ask me. So, like, that should be the proper game plan. Game plan. But this time it just never it didn't work. And they were just hitting off the jump. They were hidden and they just, you know, they just routed the Raptors and just slapped them from jump. You know what I'm saying? Then now you add the fact that it was kind of close, but then now it even went worse and changed even more. When now you had the whole, you know, OG doing a, doing a body slam, doing a rock bottom, doing a suplex. What do you want to call spine buster? Whatever you want to call it. When he, when he did that with Schroeder and, you know, <laughs> OG, OG and um, Dennis Schroeder, that altercation, man. 
Honestly, I was laughing. That was hilarious to me. I honestly thought that was probably one of the most fakest altercations I've ever seen because no man was trying to have an altercation. No man was trying to fight. Schroeder and OG wasn't trying to fight. They weren't trying to. And then it just changed into something else that it wasn't supposed to be. And even then, it wasn't like it was one of the most pump fake altercations I've ever seen. Like one, you know, OG, when he actually <laughs> when he actually landed, you know, I'm so, oh, sorry. He got held by Dennis Schroeder. And Shorter was trying to hold him, like, you know, trying to hard foul. But then OG's kind of off balance and stumbling, 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 stumbling. And Dennis is holding him while he's doing that. And then OG's trying to, you know, when now he's getting up, he's just holding him as supporting to get up. Like, he didn't just get up. He's holding him to, like, get up. And all of a sudden, Dennis Shorter being frail and being a baby basically just got flipped. He just, his legs just got flipped because OG just getting up. He's not like he actually, like, tried to pick him up. He was holding to get up and then. Dennis just flipped. I don't know if he's trying to flop. I don't know if he's just frail like that and OG just that deezed. I don't know what it was. But at the end of the day, he just got he just got carried like a baby and got flipped. And then when he got flipped, even OG, like, he didn't even realize because he's not even looking. And then he places him. He even placed him to the floor. He didn't throw him. He didn't toss him. He didn't suplex him like it was wrestling. He just kind of, he was, like, placing him to the floor like, God damn. And then even, like, yo, what's going on here? My fault, fam. My fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know you're going to just be frail like that or you're lightweight. Like, I thought, like, I could, like, pick myself up with aggression. Like, it's like when someone, you know, they put their hands in and you lift yourself up. A lot of times if a guy is being frail and he's putting his hand up to lift you up from the floor and you actually put your hands and you lift up, you could pull that guy down. You've seen that so many times or a guy slips and you pull him down. But if he's strong and he's he holds it, he can lift you up easily. And you can even lift up to where you're like, you know, you bounce up and you're like your springboard, right? So that's literally what it was. He was trying to get up and holding him, dropped him, tried to hold him. And then obviously Dennis Schroeder now gets up hella quick because Dennis Schroeder realizes on national TV, I basically just got sunned. <laughs> I got treated. He basically was treating me like a toddler, like Gerber, you better serve her. The fact that he just tossed me like that so easily. Now his mind is like, really, you're, gonna, you're not going to stop me like that. And he's trying to defend himself and whatever. And, you know, Harold just looks and just saw a flip. And then all became a push. And OG's even like, what's that? Yo, like, it's not. No, I didn't mean to do that. And then Trent is pushing, you know what I mean? Like, they're just trying to defend the honor and whatever. But it's one of the most pump fake altercations. It was never, never needed to get to that point. It was never that serious. And even the point that it got to was never that serious. Like, it was actually so fugazi. It was unwarranted. It wasn't even like, it's one of like, that's, that, that's why they, you heard Dwayne Wade say that was cute. Like, it's not. Like, come on now. That's like, it wasn't even a real, like. Like, I'd rather take the Abaka, the Abaka and the Marquise Chris. Like, that's, you know, like, Mander Cheese. Then, like, it's actually, like, you have a reason to, like, I'm coming to I'm coming to end you today. You know, that this wasn't one of those. So, it was just, it was actually just hilarious to me. I was dying, man. I was actually dying. But now, then, now OG gets, you know, ejected and Trez. And, obviously, OG, you know, being a perimeter defender and stuff like that, it obviously affects the Raptors more. And then it was just a, basically a blowout. They tried to come back. You know, and have hard, and you always rate the Raptors for that because they're never going to throw in the towel. You know what I'm saying? Because they were down as much as like 34, whatever it was. But like the fact that they came back, only lost by nine. They tried, but you know, it was one of those games where like this blowout was destined because if the Lakers are hitting shots like that, and your game plan is to let them hit shots, like what you're going to now not let them hit shots and let them eat in the paint, like that's when they become. That's one of those times where it's just like it's an anomaly. It's just it's just going to be a blowout. You know what I'm saying? So like I didn't really see too much into that. Obviously, that happens sometimes. You 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 know you just get routed because mans are just on fire. It's like God damn, yo, and that's what happens with this new league with a lot of threes and a lot of like the arsenal and the ability is just so potent that a blow like that can happen at the ball at any time, especially when you can't hand check and you can't be physical defensively. 
a, a blowout can happen at the blink of an eye because man's are just splashy if you ask me. So, you know, the Raptors tried, but I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna roast them that much for that one because like the Lakers aren't supposed to hit like that. They're not supposed to. <laughs> They're not so every man was frying, you know what I'm saying? And splashing. So, you know, that's one of those you just huh, we got blown out, go to the next, right? Go to the next. And now that, you know, we end that, um, you know, the next topic that I wanted to talk about was <laughs> go to the next and going to the next is the Nets. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when we look at the Nets, the Nets here, like, this is what I try to tell people, man. And I try to tell people some things. And, and like, I know a lot of the media, like, again, Katie today is going to is coming back. He's going to resume. He's coming back after not playing. It's been like, what, eight weeks or whatever. He hasn't played, I think, what, February 11th or whatever. One of those days he, haven't, he hasn't played. It's been that long. And um, um, let me actually check what date so I can do my due diligence. Yeah, the last time he played was February 13th. He hasn't played since February 13th. That was basically versus Golden State when he was in Golden State. And, he, you know, he was frying and they won. But, you know, what I mean and what I'm trying to say is that so he hasn't played, right? And he's about to resume. And then now Harden's going to be out for at least 10 days, right? Before they reevaluate him and all that type of stuff. And they're just alternating like the trio. Sometimes they have two of them. Sometimes they have one of them. Sometimes they have none of them. Sometimes they have three of them. Like they're always alternating. Like they haven't been healthy fully together. And a lot of the media and a lot of people have been saying is this. Like this is an issue. Like the Nets, they haven't been on the court together like this. And this and that type of stuff. And like, and the main thing they erase is the fact that they're winning. Like if anything, it should be a plus. It shouldn't be an issue. It shouldn't be an issue because when they do come back, well, you explode, they need to get chemistry. It's like they always want to find ways to make it seem like it's impossible. They always want to find ways to make it seem like history this. History says this. A team doesn't play that much together, you know what I mean? They're not going to how they don't win a championship. It's hard. That doesn't happen. That history shows you that that doesn't happen. You've seen even with the bubble with the Clippers. That history shows you and this and that and that. I'm like, come on now. Y'all can't keep doing this history type shit. Y'all have to, like again, like I said, update your information. Update your history books. Realize what is transpiring is already history in itself. It's not like the other things. Context. Apply it. KYP. Know what we're talking about. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I say. Like, again, the same thing. We've never seen a team win a ring without the post presence. You know what I'm saying? We've never seen a team win a ring without that. And then what happens? Golden State wins a ring by doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. Golden State wins a ring by doing it. We never team a team. I, I never see a team win, win, win a ring by just shooting threes and living and dying by the three. And then what does Golden State do? They change the whole NBA. You know what I'm saying? So like, you can't. You have to update your information. You have to see what process what's at hand and be able to actually say, you know what, that other history is capped because it's not equivalent to what's going on right now. And that's what I'm trying to show you with the Nets. The Nets are the, this trio is not. A trio like you've seen with other teams, they need to play together. This guy is might be a little bit limited. This guy needs to know he only can score in his spots. This guy can, you know, only score in this way. Like they need to mesh together like a Giannis and this person, like a LeBron with the Heat or like this and that. That's why you've seen KD just drop with the Warriors and they didn't need nothing. <laughs> you didn't need nothing. That's what the common denominator is. You have KD on the team. KD's part of this trio. He don't need a day. He can come in day one and get 30. He don't need a day. Like, People said the same thing, and look what happened when Harden got traded. The first game with the Nets, you've seen Harden get a triple-double, and and KD fried. We've seen 
three of them versus the Clippers. We've seen all three of them. Like Harden had around 20. Obviously, he's going to be the one who's going to sacrifice the most. And he's already doing that. He's only frying at this level due to necessity because he's been running the point guard, facilitating, and he's only going to fry to this level based off one, Kyrie is out or KD is out. Now he ramps up his level of point guard to where it's more like Houston. But before, it's more like he still does his Houston stuff, but the guy's curling. KD gets his ice. It's like, you're facilitating. You go off the ball. You know, you all that type of stuff. He was the more, he's the guy that's going to sacrifice the most because like I said, people have it wrong. They say Harden is the best player on the team when it's cap out of the trio. It goes KD, Kyrie, and then Harden. That's how it goes. And if you really know, because that's why you see Harden coming in, he's the one who wants to sacrifice the most. Kyrie not don't need a sacrifice. He's the shooting guard. Obviously, you still sacrifice, but KD, like they're the ones who do you. We know what you do. You've done it on the final stage. We don't, we've seen it work. It's proven. Harden hasn't been proven. We've seen it not work. So he's the one that has to sacrifice and change how he plays in terms of, you know, sacrificing his shot attempts, sacrificing the amount of ISOs he's doing. Like that's what you start, that's what you saw with them together. And that's why they were five and two together. You know what I'm saying? And people are erasing that. People are erasing that. We've seen them face the Clippers. We've seen them all have eight plus points in the fourth quarter in that same game. We've seen them take turns frying. Like, this is not a team. This is not a trio that is like any other trio. They literally all have all-world ISO ability that, that they don't need time to ISO. They don't need to mesh to when are we going to. They don't need that. Then not only that, you add the fact that they, Kyrie can score off screens. Kyrie can score off the corner. Kyrie could ISO it. Kyrie could score in any way. Katie could score in any way. He could come off screens like Joe Harris. All that type of stuff. They also have Joe Harris. They're coming off screens. All that type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Them meshing together as a trio is not something that most teams need to mesh. The only one would be Harden figuring out his spots and figuring out when to do this. And even if that, those two guys are frying at such a high level that Harden won't need to even do what he's doing now. So he does it. His meshing that y'all think that he needs to have and the trio needs to have is oversaturated and is over is is overplayed. It's a wrong narrative. It's cap. This is the one team that could play 15 games together and still win a championship. The Nets don't need to play 20 plus games, 25, 30 games, and whatever in the role players. And you already know the role player system. Like the fact that you're seeing them win without them as a trio, you're seeing them win as a trio. Like there's no drop off. There's no drop off. So what makes you think that all of a sudden now, oh my God, them as a trio, if they're not healthy, they're just gonna flail out and not be together. Like, Come on now, let's be real. It's not like other teams where it's like, I need my spots when I'm isoing in the clutch. Even if in the fourth quarter, they literally just said, like, you take turn, you take turn, you take turn, and they take turns isoing in the clutch to end the game. That that can work. <laughs> That's not something that can't work because of these the caliber of players these three guys are. They're the best three top ISO guys in this NBA. They are the best three ISO guys in this NBA. Like, there is actually no discussion. There's no, you can't say Luca, you can't say Dame, you can't, like, they're the best three ISO guys. Most of those guys, yes, they can ISO, but I'm talking about potent ISO, getting a bucket at a high rate, 30s, 40s, like, these are the best three ISO, most unguardable players, and they're all on one team. They're all on one team. So, that's what they do is ISO. So, if you take turns ISO in, if anything, I only have to do three plays of ISO, you do three plays of ISO, you do three plays of ISO for nine straight plays. It's not even like I'm ISOing, ISOing for like 10 straight plays. Now you can figure me out and then now double team or, you know, now do whatever. Like what they tried, like the Knicks tried to do with Kyrie at the end. You know what I'm saying? Because all he was doing was basically ISOing. He even said no more pick anymore. You can't do that with them because now you try to double KD, it opens up everybody else. 
You try to double Kyrie, opens up. Katie's off the ball. Like, you're doubling off of him. Like, you double Harden. You're doubling off of Kyrie. You're doubling off of Harry. Like, it's like they could take turns. So, literally, they could just, oh, you thought you guarded Katie? Two buckets on your head? Nah, Harden, go ahead. Two buckets on your head. Oh, he missed one? We'll go to Katie. Three straight. We'll go to Kyrie. Three straight. Like, come on. Like, they don't. That's what I'm saying. What they do, like, people, most players, most teams, and most guys on those teams struggle when they have to only ISO and they always say, do some ball movement, mix it up, do this. These are guys who they don't, that's what they do is actually ISO. So, you know, if they wanted to play hero ball, you got three of the best hero ball guys. So it won't be a problem like other people who have to always resort to hero ball. Like you see in the bubble with the Clippers and Kawhi just has to ISO. PG just has to ISO. They're struggling on one, two because they don't have the mix. These other guys don't need that. So when you look at it from that perspective, that's the reason why I say the Nets can win the championship even if they played 15, 20 games together as a trio. You know what I'm saying? Because all, and then now you add the fact that Aldridge can post up. That's what he does. Blake Griffin could post up. Blake Griffin, like you have, and you still, and they're not just an ISO team. Now you add the fact that they have actions. That's not going to change when Katie's there. Like these are all world, all talented, no limit, limitations type of players. So they're, if they're not the mode of what history has told you, they're not the mode. It's the same thing when they said, oh, history tells you, you know, you know, Achilles bands don't come back from the Achilles. There's anomalies. Only been Dominique. What is the look at the context? Dominique injured his non-dominant leg. Achilles. Katie did the same thing as Dominique. So wouldn't Katie come back like Dominique? And he don't need to be athletic to score. Like people don't look at that context. They just look at history in a vacuum and sum it up and don't break down what the history actually is. What is the context of that history? And that's why I just say it's cap. It's cap. And you have to pay attention to those things. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm not worried for, for the I'm not worried for the Nets at all. If anything, like, people should be scared. And I think that's what it is. People are scared that they're finding reasons to kind of like, I don't believe. I don't believe. Like, if anything, look at look at the Lakers. When they don't have this guy, this guy, you see how look bad they look. When they don't have this most teams, when they don't have their guys, you see how bad they look. These guys don't have this guy and they're winning. They're winning. They went from fourth in the East to number one. Number one in the East. So they're only going to get better when they get their guys. They're not going to be worse. And that's the kind of, you know what I mean? They're just finding ways to cop out from it. So, you know, it is. That's okay. At the end of the day, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, not too worried about that. You already know Katie plays tonight. And I'm excited. It's about to be, yo, it's about to be what Elite looks like. And I was trying to tell people, too, with the injury history with KD, like, Katie's injury history, I think what the Brooklyn Nets were doing, and this is what they do, they're just, they stay, they're being smart. They're on the overcautious side of injuries than the, the um, um, you know, than other teams are in the NBA, right? So, like, Katie's injury, I already know that, like, you should never have been worried about Katie with his injury. Katie's injury was never something to be worried about. I think it was way more boosted than what it was. What I was trying to tell people was that I know he's been out for eight weeks. I know he's been out for a minute and whatever the case was. But the reason why he's been out for a minute is because they've been winning. They didn't need him to come back. So they just overextend. You got to understand the context is KD. KD literally, remember, the reason why he got injured and had season-ending injury in the finals was because he didn't get chance to wait. He was rushed back. So him rushing back, and then now you see an, a, a, a catastrophic injury is because he was rushed back. So Katie's context moving forward for the rest of his career is that he's never going to be rushed back ever again because we know what happened to him the last time he was rushed back. 
So always you're going to be in the caution end with KD and you're going to give him an extra two weeks, if anything, more than just limited, just straight to the one week, the two weeks. Like you're going to go above, especially if your team is winning. And that's what the Brooklyn Nets, you got to look at the context with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets always, they've done it for Blake Griffin. They've done it for multiple players, not just KD. And that tells you that. Literally, it's, it's something to not even be worried about. That's why you didn't hear me talk about it. You didn't hear me be worried at all because, like, even when Blake Griffin first came to the, you know, when even perfect example, we'll go as far as Shumpert. When Shumpert was on his 10-day and he was with the with the Nets, Shumpert took, like, two to three weeks just to even start play one game. Why? They were overcautious. Do your conditions. Don't play until you're over-ready. That's when you play. Until you're over-ready, you're not going to just be rushed into here. you see them now. Again, the same context with Roberson was the same thing extra two weeks, whatever, before we even played. Now you look at, you know, Blake Griffin when he signed. The man took an extra two weeks before he played. And even Blake Griffin, because they're like, oh, so your knee, it says that your knee is injured because the injury report has to say something. Your knee is injured and, you know, so how are you feeling okay with your knee? He even said, that's cap. My, <laughs> my knee is good. I think, you know, they're just, you know, they, I haven't played a game since, you know, the Pistons, so they're just trying to get me into game shape. So he's telling you they're being overcautious. They don't rush no one into nothing because you have an elite team that's winning. So there's no need. If it when you could tell an injury so severe as if they need it, like you see with AD, they need him to come back to not drop in the standings, and yet they won't bring him back. That's when you know it's a severe injury. You know what I'm saying? Like KD, they don't need him to come back. You've seen KD prior to that. You know what I'm saying? Like. Before, what you'll have, he'll be out for this game. He's been out for this back-to-back, even before COVID. He's out for this game. And then what happens? They'll lose the one game. Kyrie, like, Kyrie's out, too. They lose that game. Then now they need them to come back for the next game. They come back. You know what I'm saying? But now they're in a situation they don't need. They don't need. As long as one is playing, they Gucci. And that's what you see. And if they had to, then Harden didn't play. But Kyrie, because he was out, you know, I mean, he missed games because of his fiance was having a baby, right? So when you look at it, it's because they have the luxury. They're literally, every team wishes that they could be what the Nets are. And what I mean by that is, if a man is injured, take extra time. Because, and while you're taking extra time, we are still winning. Most teams can't afford, they don't have that luxury. Most teams. Actually, if anything, every team doesn't have that luxury. If a, if a big star is injured, most likely they're going to go 500 or worse. Right? That's what happens. You've seen with Embiid. They went 9-9. Nine and nine. You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's even you going 9-9 nine and nine is even like a great situation. Most teams aren't afforded that luxury. So, you know, if they did have that luxury, I'm telling you they wouldn't be playing. They wouldn't play. They wouldn't rush these guys back, and especially the context with KD. And not only that, the leg that's injured, his hamstring, is his athletic left leg, his dominant leg that wasn't doesn't have the Achilles injury. So that's why it's like, I'm not even worried that much with that one because they're being overcautious because they don't want to they don't want to risk his main leg. Right. Obviously, he's good on both legs. Obviously, it's not like he's, you know, but his main leg, you don't want to have any oh, no, hindrance with his main leg. And so that's why they're being overcautious. That's why you see them say, you know, we saw Im- we saw Imogen. We saw more than what we thought. I don't even believe that. I don't I like maybe it might have been a little bit more and like whatever, but I don't believe because I see him. Most guys that's injured, they stay at home. They rehab and they're gone for a minute. Then they come back. You see that with LeBron, whatever, and all that type of stuff. Katie's been at basically all these games. He's been following them on the road. Like he's been like he he's jumping and amped and walk like I'm telling like it's not as severe as people think. And that's why I never had any worries. The one that might be more severe is maybe the hardened one because he actually tried the plane and he couldn't. That one might be more severe and hard and normally don't even sit out. So 
That one might be more severe, but again, Harden, it's your turn. You take your rest, let Katie and Kyrie carry the bunch. You know what I'm saying? Like, let them carry the bunch and we Gucci. Then you be back. And as long as they good, as long as they back for the last 15 games, the last 10 games, like, it's not going to be a worry. It's not going to be a worry. First round, they can even play in the first round and get their groove. Like, I'm not worried. Like, they're so elite that they don't, the luxuries that other people need to have, they don't, like, they don't need to have. Spark, that is their luxury. They don't need to have those things. Other people don't have that luxury. So, when you look at it from that perspective, I'm not worried about the Nets. And you'll see, you'll see what I'm saying as it, as it transpires and as it plays out. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, transitioning. Last but not least, you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, we got to look at, we got to look at the Celtics and the, the Celtics and the Sixers. They played last night and the six, the Celtics have been struggling. You know what I'm saying? Like they allowed, they lost by 10. It was basically like a, a it's a big lead throughout the whole game. And, you know, the Sixers look good because Embiid is fully back. You know, Simmons is there. Simmons only went four for seven, 12, 12 points, but he's defensive. Like this team defensively with the length of Harris, Harris is playing way better defense, right? The length of Harris, the length of 6'10". You have a, a, a length of Simmons, a 6'10 PG, you know what I'm saying? The length of Embiid. You have Danny Green, who's not a small guy. So they have only Curry's a small guy. But even then, just the length overall. And now you have Thibel coming in. You have Mike Scott. You have just, they have great length. They get a lot of deflections. Like, their defense is elite. And, you know, a lot of it is obviously starting from Brent, Ben Simmons as, like, the main perimeter guy, right? His, his defense is actually elite. But when you look at it from that perspective, the Sixers are something, you know, to actually, like, they're the number one, two seed. They're literally elite, especially MB doing what he was doing. You know, he had 35 points. And, you know, the man shot 20 free throws. Like, MB <laughs> is, like, the big version of Harden in terms of John Fowles, right? So, like... You know, Embiid is trying to have his MVP season, all that type of stuff. But when you look at it, like, I have to, I have to see this in playoffs for me to fully believe in the Sixers. Like, I don't, there's nothing that I see that makes me fully believe in the Sixers to that magnitude of making the finals. And what I mean by that is that they still have an elephant in the room. They still have, Simmons can't take a shot. Simmons is playing the rebound the wrong on the block. Like, defensive schemes the defenses you see right now on philly like people aren't game planning for them like that like you just play the next team you rest you come back like you tell them to watch film and whatever and you have a game plan coming in but it's not like we study you for two weeks we study you for the whole week like it's not like that it's not intense like that you already know playoffs is a whole different season and it's a completely different ball game so they would stop they would force you to your weaknesses more often and ben simmons is one of those weaknesses so when you look at it from that perspective Regular season, they're always going to look good. You always see some teams look good in the regular season. And in the playoffs, it's a complete different scenario. And every time I see in the playoffs, the Sixers struggle. The only time they played elite in the playoffs was when they had Butler, a shot creator. And they even took Ben Simmons off the ball. They even took Ben Simmons off, you know, ball handling because they wanted Butler to run the pick and roll with MB. So when you look at it from that perspective, like, that was already a negative for them. But they had Butler. They don't have a butler. They have Tobias. Can the Tobias be that closer, that shot creator, that guy? It's the same story for the Bucks. Can Middleton be that or Drew Holiday? And that's something that I don't know if Tobias can be on that type of level to carry you, especially in the context of the East when you have the Nets in the way, right? I don't, I don't think that Tobias is on that level to compete with KD shot for shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like Tobias. I think he's elite, and I think he's actually was snubbed this year and should have been the all-star over Ben Simmons. But that's a different discussion. But you know, it's about who are, who, what are, what is your field comparing you to the field? If you just look at the team individually, okay, they look good. But compared to 
this team that is supposed to be in your way. How do I see it going to be transpired in the playoffs now that we're, there's pressure, the game slows down, you know, and, and also to Embiid has never performed like that to that. He's never rises level of play to that same MVP superstar level of play in the playoffs. He hasn't done that. And that's why he's, he's having a breakout season in terms of MVP, but he's never translated his elite seasons to the playoffs. He's never done that. He's never done that. So, like, I still have to wait and see. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's just like their play styles clash Simmons and, and Simmons and Embiid. Like, that's why Embiid has to be on the perimeter more because Ben Simmons is holding, you know, holding on um, being in the post in the paint. And, like, the, the, the Clippers, I mean, the Sixers play even more old school. You see Ben Simmons post up. You see Embiid post up. And you see Tobias post up. And they literally run. Like, that's all their actions. Their, act, their actions start from there. They pick and roll here and there with Seth, with Seth Curry and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And But their main action is those guys get post-ups and they play a slow-tempo type of game. So, like, in compared to the Nets, is that something? Like, the Nets have beat Philly without Harden, without KD, without Kyrie. Like, come, like you know, them beat. Like, I have to see it. I have to see it. So, you know, that's why I don't really believe in the Sixers to that magnitude fully. I have to still see it. I have to see it. What I think, I think the Sixers y'all are seeing now and the Sixers you'll see and when it matters, I don't think it's going to be the same Sixers. And that's why I don't believe in them. It's the same thing for the Bucks. I would have to see it because they have both those teams have a hindrance, a blatant hindrance, which is the non-shooting from Giannis and Simmons. And how you how you maneuver with that hindrance and that deficiency is always going to be something that I, is intriguing to see. Right. The odds are already against you, because, again, like I said, the defenders of the other team of the opponents in a series when they're trying to win, they're going to force you to your weaknesses. That's what they do. That's what they do. So, like, regular season, they don't do that. So, you know, that's kind of like my take with the Sixers. The Celtics are a whole complete different story. The Celtics, I think, are actually a team that, like, are actually a shot-creating team. And if when everything clicks right, there are a team that can kind of, you know, I think that could be a threat of the Nets because they're literally the only team that has a shot-creating trio in terms of, you know, Kemba, Tatum, and, and Brown that actually can match the tree not they don't match but they're actually still a, a type of shot creating trio that is like that trio's like you know them or or either Miami like those are the teams that I see that kind of like I don't like just like last year in the bubble those were the two teams I always believe have the best chances going to the finals just by their ability their poise their clutch their arsenal you know not being limited all that type of stuff and that the Celtics have been struggling and you know a lot of things I don't I attributed a lot to one, the Brad Stevens at the beginning of the year threw off the rhythm because Tatum, remember the playoffs last year, what their lineup was, was Kemba, Marcus Smart at the two, Jalen Brown at the three, Tatum at the four, and Tice at the five, right? And then Robert Williams will come off the bench and then every the role players interchange. They use Ojale, but Tatum was always playing the four, right? Ojale will play the three and stuff like that. And Grant Williams will come in too, but they always had their specific lineups in terms of where these positions, what positions these guys, especially Tatum and Brown, are playing. It's normally the 3 4 for Brown, and then Tatum, it's the 4 strictly, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, Tatum now at the beginning of the year was playing the 3. That's a whole different context, especially now when you're playing the 3 and you're playing the 3 with Tice and Tristan Thompson to start. That's how they started. They played with those three as the front court. So now Tatum is getting doubled, like Tristan can't shoot. Tice, how many shots is he going to hit, right? So now, now he's gapped off those screen and roll actions, those handoff actions. He's doubled. He's trapped. You know, it's not as clean, as much spacing as it would be because normally a guy would be in the corner and only Tice is involved, right? 
So, like, Marcus Smart would beat her. And then Marcus Smart got injured. And then, you know, they got co- and then Tatum got COVID. And he was eating to start the year. But then COVID happened. And then now all his percentages dropped and everything dropped. Jalen Brown was eating as well. And then he got, uh, I think, he got COVID pretty much. Or he got injured or something like that, too. They've just been inconsistent. And I know a lot of teams have dealt with COVID. But for them, you add COVID and the rotation adjustments, you know, play style-wise, you know, uh, personnel-wise. That's what kind of threw them off. And then now Marcus Smart came back. Now you're integrating. They still have Fournier, which I think would be solid. They're trying to integrate a lot of different things. It's like it's so much inconsistency right now. And that's why you're seeing inconsistency in their play. And then still Tatum, Tatum's rhythm has been broken. So what I mean like that with him, him having a rhythm, practicing, having those things happen. Now when you have COVID and you're just not playing completely. Now it's like it's kind of like he had an offseason within the season. He missed, I think, 16 games and stuff like that. So now when he's trying to come back. And get that rhythm and like when you're eating and then you're in that flow, you know, every day you practice, you get those reps up, you're in that type of flow and that type of, you know what I mean? Off the court wise, like that rhythm, just playing. Now you go from that to not playing and now try and get that rhythm back. That's why you see he's not, he has never been back yet. He has those one, two games where you'll play good, but his rhythm has been atrocious. Like the man shooting, I think he dropped from like 48% from the field to like 40 or 42, 43. Like it's not the greatest, you know what I'm saying? So when you look at it, like that's something that I owe that has hindered them. And then now Kemba too off the knee injury and coming back integrated because now Brown has elevated. So before it was Ke- it was Tatum, Kemba, then Brown hierarchy. Now it's Tatum, Brown, then Kemba. So now the hierarchy has changed for him. He's not used to that. So there's a lot of different things going on, right? And that's what's throwing them off. Like even right now, he's shooting 45% from the field, which is okay. But he was shooting way higher. Like he was way higher. It has increased lately, but... It was way higher before. So, you know, honestly, I'm not too toured with the Celtics, but this year could end up being a write-off for them just because of the inconsistency. You know, it's just it affected them more than it affected any other team. And it's unfortunate that's the case, but I don't write them off. I think they just need to get into a groove and snap back into it. And they'll be Gucci, you know what I'm saying? But, like, this is a team, too, like I said, like, that has potential to be back to where they were last year, which is Eastern Conference Finals. They have potential to do that. It's just up to them to turn it around and just click. And that's what they're just missing. And that's kind of, you know, that's the missing piece or the missing thing right now. And a lot of, like, I did blame Brad Stevens for that whole beginning, you know, big type of stuff. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you see them, they ISO a lot and stuff like that. Their actions don't work. And their role players, too, they don't have snipers around these guys. So it's easier to gap them and kill and, 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 you know, trap them and all that type of stuff. So, you know, we'll see how they get their flow back. But mainly it is there. They just had so much inconsistency all over the place. You know, what I mean, that affected them, you know, more than, you know, other teams would be affected because they had the, they were the rare team that just didn't have COVID they had injuries and COVID. Now, Heat Heat had the same thing, but the Heat had been back for a while. So now they could get that groove and the way they play is completely different. Like hierarchy would never be a problem for them. So. Each team gets affected by COVID differently based on your play style and on your hierarchy and just your your personnel and your identity, right? So that's something that the Celtics are struggling with right now. And I think they can get back to it and we'll see. But it's mainly been their struggles just from their big three. They've been so inconsistent now. So we'll see if they get back to that full play, you know what I'm saying? And we'll see how that moves. But you already know, I appreciate y'all. Share, like, and subscribe. We out here. There's no doubt here. There's no drought here. I try to talk on as much things as I could talk about for today. You already know we doing this new format. Let me know what y'all think. You know, this is what Elite looks like. At the end of the day, I want to be I want to be able to build all my platforms, 
you know, and I want to I want to have everybody translate to all my platforms. And that's kind of what has been missing, because a lot of y'all just stay on YouTube and a lot of the people on IG just stay on IG and a lot of people on Twitter just stay on Twitter. But I want y'all to be able to interchange on all my platforms. I urge y'all support your boy. So the breakdowns, if you want breakdowns and you want those things, IG is where it's all at. You know what I mean? But you still want to hear me talk OD and talk about things all the time. YouTube is where it's all at. But at the end of the day, in time, in real time now, you want to hear what I have to say about a game and whatever. Twitter is where it's at. So every platform has its own niche, but they all interchange at the same time. So I want y'all to get that in your minds and, you know, get that, you know, just just be able to get that and support and rock with your boy. You get what I'm saying? You already know I appreciate y'all. We trying to get to a whole new plateau, a whole new echelon, improve the efficiency. You got that? We all about efficiency out here. Obviously, that's what this league has come to. Do you just get buckets or do you get buckets efficiently? That's the next version of what elite looks like. The efficient elite looks like. And that's what I'm trying to be for you. I'm trying to get to that elite, efficient, what elite looks like. And this is the best way to do it. You know what I mean? And just every day, every day type of content I'm trying to get at. So, you know, I appreciate y'all. Like I said. Share, like, and subscribe. We out here. There's no doubt here. There's no drought here. You feel me? You already know, man. And again, this is also going to be, it's going to come to a full, a full podcast, one podcast of all the topics added together in the podcast as well. So remember, click on the links to go to my, you know, all my platforms, my podcast, my IG, my Twitter, click the link in the bio. You already know where everything is at. And, you know, just support your boy. I appreciate y'all as well. Help support your boy. If you want to donate for only $2 a month, you know what I'm saying? As little as $2 a month, you can donate more if you want to. But if you want to set it and forget it and donate monthly, click on the Patreon link below. You know what I'm saying? And go to that. And if you want to, you know what I mean? Support your boy and just donate for a one-time donation. You know what I'm I'm saying? You could click the PayPal link and you could click that where you just donate one time. And, you know, I get it. And, you know, it's what Elite looks like. I appreciate y'all for all y'all that comment, all y'all that come day in and day out. You know what I mean? It means a lot. You don't take, it's not taken for granted. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. I appreciate y'all that, you know, support your boy financially, that try and donate as much as you can or that have, you know, said it and forgot it and left it there. I appreciate y'all, man. I appreciate each and every one of y'all. All of y'all, you know, if however y'all are supporting your boy, whether it's sharing, whether it's watching, whether it's doing both, whether, you know, all of it is it's appreciated. And I just want to say that I can't do this without y'all. I can't do this without y'all at the end of the day. You already know. That's why I try to comment as much as I can interact with y'all as much as I can. I, I have I literally have relationships with a lot of y'all just in DMs. I respond to y'all all the time. You know what I'm saying so, you know, I try I try to do as much as I can, because at the end of the day, everything is appreciated. So. You know what it is. It's your boy. It's true talks because true talks. You already know. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. (laughs) We out here. There's no doubt here. And there's definitely no drought here. You get what I'm saying? I appreciate y'all, man. You already know. And I'm out, man.